Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. We're in the series called The Good Work. We kicked off last week, and I hope you were excited for what God is doing in the midst of us. And today we are on episode number two of The Good Work. And this is the title I have for you. It's called Stepping Out. Stepping Out, right? When you start a good word, you need to step out and begin to do it. Most of us want to accomplish something big in life. We want to accomplish something important, something that matters, something that leaves a legacy, leaves an impact, leaves something behind us that is beyond just us, right? For our kids, our kids' kids, beyond that, we want to leave something behind. And if you are not at that place where you feel you're at the position to do it, it really bothers you. I know it bothers me. I know it bothers me when I feel that God has called me to do something. God has given me the insight or the vision to do something, and it's not happening. It just bothers me. It's like an itch you can't scratch, right? It's just there, and it's just there, and you just need to get it out, and it just can't touch it. There's a hole, it seems, in our heart. There's a hole in our life. No matter what you fill your life with, you might think, I'm going to fill it with a job. I'm going to fill it with a husband, a wife, or kids. There's nothing that can fill that God-sized hole that He put in your life. It can only be filled with what He created you to do. He's created all of us for a marvelous purpose. Every single one of us are not here by accident. We have arrived on purpose for a purpose. I love that because I keep saying it over and over. It's probably not the first time you've heard me say it, but it's true. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God does not make mistakes. Maybe in your workplace, in your home, in your community, in your surrounding Wherever it may be, you want to do something significant. You want to lead your family to a place of success. You want to lead your community. Maybe you're a community leader. Maybe you're a school captain or maybe you're a school a person, that a prefect or what may be in school that you want to lead people to in greater success. All of us want to do something that makes a difference in our world. And if you're like me, as I said, I guess it bothers you. It bothers you. It weighs on you, especially when you look around and you see something that's not right in this world. Maybe it's an injustice. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's neglect. Maybe it's someone hurting. Maybe it's someone wearing something that shouldn't be. They don't have the right clothes. Maybe it's a burden. Something disturbs you. Something disrupts you. Something upsets you. And you think someone should do something about that. The reality is that God is calling you to do something about it. Because you see the burden. You feel the pain. And as we saw last week, we're talking about this guy named Nehemiah. But here's an important principle. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. The burden you wear or you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. It's what God placed on your heart. It's what you see. See, when God drops something into us, at its beginning, at its outset, at its genesis, 
it seems impossible. We learn that principle in our world. We learn that principle in our life. Because anytime you have a child, the child doesn't come as a functioning adult, does it? It doesn't know how to eat. It doesn't know how to walk. It doesn't know how to talk. It doesn't know how to take care of itself. We have to take care of it. And that's like an idea, like a vision that God places in you. It comes with an identity, but it needs some nourishment. It needs nurture. It needs to be brought up into its completion. Any idea at its start seems impossible because it's not reached maturity yet. It needs to be matured into it. So what's in front of you is something really amazing, something awesome, something really vital. And you might not see how it will come to pass, how it will be come to an eventuality, but just because you don't see the end doesn't mean the idea is not great. All of you have a purpose. All of you want to get somewhere. All of you want to accomplish something. All of you want to get better in your life at something, right? We all want to achieve something special. I love sports, and I love sports documentaries. One of the greatest athletes, or the greatest footballers, and not Australian football, sorry. Sorry, people. American football is Tom Brady, you know. And he has this amazing quote. I love it because I was watching this documentary about him, and he said this quote, and I thought it was amazing. I wrote it down. I said, this is amazing for life. This is what he said. He's talking about his journey in life. And he said this, you take small steps in the moment. It's when you look back, it's then you realize the distance you've traveled. When we take small steps, it doesn't seem significant in the moment. That's what he's saying. You take small steps in the moment. It's when you look back on your life, when you look back over the month and you go, wow, I've traveled a great distance. Because in the moment, it doesn't seem significant. In the moment, it doesn't seem great. It's just one little step, but it's a step towards where you are supposed to go. It's a step in the direction that you are designed to go in. And so, as I said, we're talking about this guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah lived thousands of years ago, and you might think he has no significance in our life today. He lived in 587 BC, a long, long time ago. It's a time when this ancient country of Babylon destroyed his homeland. They attacked his city, which is the ancestral city of Jerusalem, and they destroyed it. They destroyed everything in the city, they destroyed the walls, they took people captive. And they took them away and they left the city in absolute desolation. There was nothing there. And decades later, some people traveled back to go back to try and rebuild their homeland. Some Jews traveled back to rebuild their homeland. But there was no economic system in place. There was no leadership there. There was no hope there. Everything they tried failed. And it's 140 years after the destruction of Nehemiah's ancestral home, that God moved in Nehemiah's heart. And Nehemiah was not some significantly great leader at the time. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't someone of significance. In fact, the scriptures tell us that he was a servant. He was a servant in the king's palace. He was an ordinary guy. But God uses ordinary people, as we talked about last week. He didn't have a formal position 
of leadership. But you know what Nehemiah had? Nehemiah had a passion for what God showed him. See, passion endures more than position. Sometimes we like position because sometimes we want power, we want position, we want authority, we want significance. But if we don't get what we're looking for, the position becomes irrelevant. But passion drives you further than position because passion is that innate ability in you that drives you over obstacles. Passion and vision helps you overcome obstacles. Because all of us face obstacles in life. The road is never easy. It's never a straight road. There's always bumps in the road. There's twists. There's turns in life. You know that. You're adults. When you were a kid, you wanted to be an astronaut. You wanted to go to space. You wanted to do all these race car drivers. But you grew up and you became an adult. And you knew that just because you had a thought doesn't mean it becomes reality. There's obstacles in front of you. All of us face obstacles. It's what we do to overcome them that makes us significant. So, this ordinary guy saw a disaster. That disaster was his ancestral home was in ruins. And he knelt down and he prayed and he stood up and he acted. And last week we talked about our heart, our knees and our feet. We have to allow ourselves to be moved. To do the good work that God has called all of us to do. To make a difference in our world, in our community, in the people around us. And so today I want to share quickly with you in the time that I have four points on making a difference in your world. Is that okay? Four points to make a difference in your world. To get a good work started in your life, in your home, in your family, in your community, in the church, in your school, in your workplace, wherever it may, the marketplace maybe. But four points, you can apply this everywhere. As Christ followers, it's important for us. So number one, seek God faithfully. And we're going to use this guy named Nehemiah as our example. Now you might not have never heard of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah, as I said, was an ordinary guy, just like all of us. But he did an extraordinary work. So seek God faithfully. Twelve times in the scriptures, in the book of Nehemiah, we see evidence of Nehemiah faithfully praying to God. Before he does anything, before he even answers the king, when the king asks him a question, he consults God and he says, God, give me the right words, give me the right insight, give me the right wisdom, give me the actions I need to do. Because so often it's easy for us to run before you know what happens when we run before God? We mess up. You know what happens when we delay? We mess up. We have to be in sync. We have to be in rhythm. I love what the praise team did this morning. And what an awesome time. Jamie sang an original song. That's amazing. You know, our team is putting together some amazing things. But it comes together in rhythm. They play together. There's different instruments. You have the drums, you have the guitar, you have the piano, you have the violin, you have the singers. They're playing together, but they're doing different things. But it's called playing in synchronicity, playing in rhythm. Sometimes we need to be in rhythm with what God is doing in our life and not be out of sync for what he's doing. And to do that, we consult him, we talk to him, we ask him to come into the middle of our situation. 
See, this guy named Nehemiah, he heard what happened to his ancestral home. And if you look into the text, it says that he heard about what happened in the month of Kislev. Now, Kislev was actually the November-December season, right? That's when he heard about what happened at his home. And he goes into prayer and he talks to God. And then he gets, it gets to the month of Nissan. I'm not talking about the car here. There's a Nissan. It's not a car. It's the month of Nissan. That's when you buy Nissans, no other month. I'm just kidding. It's the month of Nissan, which was actually four months later. Right? So he heard about what happened in November, December. And then he prays and he consults God for four months. It's four months of him speaking to God. Because this is an impossibly tricky situation. How do you approach a king that you are serving and ask him for something that seems impossible? To go back and build up your enemy's territory. Because Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed them. He's from Babylon. Babylon destroyed them. Now you're going to the king of Babylon and saying, hey, would it be cool if we went back and built up the thing that you destroyed, that you hate, that you just wanted to get rid of? It'll be cool, right? Let's go build it up so they can come back and attack you. Who would do that? Especially if you're a servant. But that's what he had to do. This was an extremely delicate situation. And if you know anything about Eastern kings, they didn't like hearing bad news. And the person that delivered the bad news often paid the price for the bad news, even though it wasn't their bad news. So no one wanted to go to the king and tell them anything bad. In fact, they would, if they had bad news, they would not say anything at all. You find out yourself, you know, we're not going to tell you because I don't want to lose my life. And so this is what happens. He prays. And you find this in uh, Nehemiah. He says, I had not been sad in his presence before because being sad in the presence of the king could also cost you your life. Because why are you sad? I'm the king. I'm in charge. You're sad. That means you're not happy. Get someone else. So he said, I've never been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to God, the God of heaven, and I answered. You see, here's the prayer. He consults God, and he answered. Our communication to the one who can help will help direct our steps. Our communication to the one who can help us through difficult seasons will help push us or lead us in the right direction. And the way we do that is in prayer. Prayer seems like this mystical thing, but all prayer is, is conversation with the one who loves you the most. It's having a conversation with God. And you don't need to wait to get to church to talk to God. You can talk to God whenever you want, in your car, at your home, at your workplace, on the toilet. Wherever you want, you can have a conversation with God. Because a lot of times... We're having conversation with our spouse, wherever, right? Even going to the toilet doesn't stop conversation because we can speak to them through the door. But here's the one that loves us the most. We can have conversation with him whenever we want. In fact, the scriptures encourage to pray without ceasing. How can you pray without ceasing? 
unless you're in conversation with him all the time. And it's not difficult. It's just saying, God, I need you in the midst. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. What do I do? What do I say? Help me with this situation. Give me the right words. See, when it comes to prayer, nothing too is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's heart. When it comes to prayer, nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's heart. If prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision, you're not thinking big enough. If prayer isn't necessary for your vision, then you're not thinking big enough. We don't need to do it in our power. We need to do it in His power. Because God gives us a vision that necessitates us leaning on Him. If you could do it by yourself, you don't need Him. So oftentimes the vision is more than our capacity because it requires His intervention. The vision is greater than what we can accomplish ourselves because it requires uh, His power to do it. So often, we think that this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. That's the mentality that we have. So number one is seek God continually. Number two is define the vision clearly. Number two, starting a good work, is define your vision clearly. For most people, it's not a lack of caring. That's not our problem. It's, we do care. We do feel compassion. We do feel empathy. We do feel connection to people going through difficult seasons. Right? It's not that we don't care. It's that our lack, we have a lack of clarity. See, the king asked Nehemiah, what can I do? What can I do to help you, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah says this, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That's what Nehemiah says. But he got that wisdom from consulting God in prayer. Because he's asking for a difficult thing. As I said to you, He's going to try and rebuild the enemy's city. Would you allow your enemy to take up position or position of authority against you and give him the resources to do it? You wouldn't. But here's what Nehemiah asked for. Send me to the city of Judah so I can rebuild this city, that city that was in rebellion against your kingdom, this city that defied you, this city that didn't want to obey you, give me resources so I can go rebuild it. That's a difficult task. Send me to Judah so I can rebuild it. But Nehemiah defined it clearly. He wasn't sneaky about it. He wasn't backhand about it. He said clearly, for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's not our problem. It's a lack of clarity. We need to be able to communicate God's vision clearly to those around us so they can join us on the journey. Because there's other people that have the same passion, the same compassion, the same desire that God is stirring in our lives that can be a help to us, that can help us through difficult seasons. Whether it's to give out a word of wisdom, whether it's to help us with resources, whether it's just to stand in our corner and cheer us on. 
We do that all the time. We go to sporting events and we yell to our heart's content. We cheer our team on. And the guys that are on the field, they get energy from your cheers, right? We cheer people on. You can cheer someone else on. You can cheer on the person next to you. You can cheer on the person that's doing a great work. Whether it's in their family, whether it's in their community, whether it's in their home. As a husband, you can come home and say, wife, you did an awesome job. Thank you for taking care of the kids, getting dinner ready. I know it's difficult, but you're awesome. You can say, husband, thank you so much for going out every day and taking care and paying all our bills and doing this awesome job. I know it's difficult and you're dealing with difficult people, but thank you. You're doing amazing. Cheer one another on. All of us can do that. Nehemiah had this desire. Maybe for you, you want to help children around the world. But which ones? Which children do you help? The ones that are abused, the ones that are neglected, the ones that need education, the ones that need water, the ones that are abused. Where can you go? To a different country. Which country do you go to? You can help people in your backyard. You can help people in their front yard. You can help people in a local school. You can help people across the world. People that need medical attention. People that need education. There's different needs. But if we don't communicate our vision clearly, if you don't come to your boss and say, hey, there's a local footy club that really needs uniforms, and we know we can do that, and I want to help the community. This will give us some support. You can put your logo on it. There's parents coming along. They'll see this. All we need to do is give them some uniforms. Communicate your vision clearly. If you can't define it, you can't do it. So what is God leading you to do? What are you going to do about it? Nehemiah said, send me to Judah so I can rebuild the city. He didn't wait for someone else to give him an idea. He didn't wait for someone else to motivate him. He didn't wait for someone else to step up in his corner and say, Nehemiah, you can do this. Sometimes vision starts in us. And when we communicate it, then we can have people join us on the journey and cheer us on. So what are you supposed to do? To lead your family into becoming totally debt-free? To build a great relationship with your loved ones? To, to kind of personally talk to someone in your school class about who Jesus is to you? Maybe it's to donate $100,000 to the church by the time you're 40. Maybe it's to talk to youth about youthful addictions that they're going through, that you went through, that you can help with. Be a mentor to someone. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If your vision isn't clear, people cannot follow. So, seek God faithfully. Define the vision clearly. Number three, make plans carefully. Planning is so important. A goal without a plan is just a wish. And wishes don't change the world. A goal without a plan is just a wish. And wishes don't change the world. You can wish for a lot of things. I can wish I was in Hawaii right now because I was having a conversation with Chanel yesterday about it. I'm not in Hawaii, as you can clearly see. I'm standing right here. That's a wish. Did we plan it? Did we organize it? No. Will it become a reality without any of that stuff? Absolutely not. I can wish it every day of my life, but it won't become a reality 
if I don't make plans carefully. This is what happened with this guy named Nehemiah. Then the king, with his queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will this journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Tarshish Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asphur, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. As I just said, you're going to the enemy's king to ask them to provide you for resources to build something that they destroyed in the first place. And he asked for provision and he asked for protection. Give me resources and give me protection. And he says, God's hand was with me because I had a conversation with God and he told me this is the way to go. So when I ask for it, I know I'm going to get it because he told me to ask for it. And God's, God's hand was on me, so the king granted my request. When you plan with God and when you consult him and he's in the midst of your situation, it will come to pass. It might seem impossible because that situation definitely felt impossible. But yet, it came through. Sometimes in ministry, we're struggling to find out what we're doing. We're struggling with different situations. Well, let's plan better. Maybe have a meeting. Take a tour of someone else's facility and find out what they're doing. Have questions. Listen to a podcast. Find a mentor. Write a business plan. Go out and take notes. Sell your PlayStation and download a business plan. Buy shirts for your meetings. Don't show up like I do to a business meeting. <laughs> no, you all look good. What's the one thing? Sometimes our plans feel overwhelming, right? It's like, I need to do this, and it feels like it's so far away and so impossible to get done. Like, I want to become an astronaut. You're like, great, awesome. We're cheering you on. Be like, well, what do I do? What's the first step you need to do? Sometimes the plan seems so big that it might be overwhelming. That leads us to complacency and lethargy. But what's one step you can do in the right direction? What's one thing you can do? One simple thing. What's one point in your plan from God that you can do so you're not overwhelmed. Success isn't the accomplishments in the future. Success is doing the right thing today. Success is not about future, future accomplishments. It's about doing the right thing today. So, number one, seek God faithfully. Define vision clearly. Make plans carefully. And number four, Inspire people passionately. Because you're going to face opposition. 
with any plan, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be people that might not believe in you. There's the bank that says, we're not giving you money for that. We think it's a ridiculous idea. There might be people in your family that say, don't waste your time coming up with that because it's just not going to work out. There might be people on your team that say, that's not going to actually go anywhere. You're wasting your time. You will face opposition. You will face discouragement. You will face distraction. You will face fatigue. Is it worth it for your vision to come to pass? Absolutely. Is it even possible? 100% with God. This is what happened with Nehemiah. Then I said to them, verse 17, it says, You see the troubles we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. We have to inspire people to have faith in God for what God is doing in our community, in our world, in our family, in our neighborhood. We have to tell them that God is with us. And that's what Nehemiah said. Look, people, let's get this thing going. Let's get this task going. Let's get this work going, this good work going. We need to rebuild these walls so you guys are not in disgrace, so you guys are protected. But guess what? God is with us. He's going to help us through. God is with us in this. When God gives you the vision, God is with you. Tell people that God is with you. That you are able to do this. No matter how impossible it seems at the start, God is with you. He's going to help you through it. God empowers us. And you empowering people to do something that matters makes a significant difference in your world and theirs. It's so important that we tell people God is with us. You know, when we started our project to move people from one place in St. Albans to Troganina, it seemed like an impossible task. We might not have had the right resources. We didn't have the right people. We didn't have the right money. We didn't have anything that we thought was possible. But God gave us a vision. That vision was this is where we need to be. And so we talked about it. We went through the same thing. We defined it. We prayed. We spoke with clarity on where we need to be and why we can't stay there anymore. And we said to everyone, God is with us, but look what God has done now. Has God not been with us? Has God not provided? Has God not worked His marvelous work? Has God not seen us through? He has. And there's even greater things to come. There's even more spectacular things that God wants to do in us and through us and with us. He empowers us to change the world. And to change the world, we start with us. God is with us. I love what John Wesley said. If you know, don't, don't know what John Wesley is, he was a preacher of yesteryear. This is what he says. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. I love it. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Not literally. Don't set yourself on fire, literally. See, we're not just building a building. We're getting people into the presence of God. It's not about walls. 
It's about what God is doing in people's lives. This building is not a brick and mortar. This building is people's lives. The lives that are going to be transformed. The lives that are going to be changed. The lives that God is going to change. And all of us here are standing and living. And all of us might be in a different place on the journey. But we all started at one point. And God has brought us this far. We're all on a journey. We're just on different places. So, the burden you bear often reveals the difference you will make. What you care about is not an accident. God knew what he was doing when he made you, when he created you, when he built you, when he formed you in secret. He created in you a passion and a compassion for something in this world. What you do about it is up to you. He gives you the time. He gives you the resources. He gives you the ability. All we need to do is to start a good work. So turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready to start a good work? Are we ready to start a good work in our family, in our community, in our world, wherever it may be? Are we ready? I'm going to leave you with two questions. Number one, what can you do this week to get your plan started? Based on the four points I gave you, what can you do this week to get your plan started? Maybe it's a plan for a new business idea. Maybe it's a plan to get yourself out of debt. Maybe it's a plan to get yourself out of addiction. Maybe it's a plan to help in the community. Maybe it's a plan to start something in the church. Whatever it may be, what can you do this week to get your plan started? Maybe all it is is like, I'm going to just write down step by step what I need to do. Step one, write a plan. <laughs> right? What can you do this week? Use Nehemiah as an example. That's what it's there for. That's why he's there. That's why God put him in the book. So we can use him. Amazing man of God. Humble, great leader, inspirational. What can you do this week to get your plan started? Number two, how can you share your vision with someone who can help? Now, I want to put a little caveat on that. And is this. You need to ask God who to share your vision with. Because sharing your vision with the wrong person can lead to the destruction of your vision. Because they might not see what you see. They might have heard what you heard. And sometimes sharing it with the wrong person can kill our dream can destroy our vision, can leave us frustrated because it's actually the wrong person that you've shared this with. But sharing it with the right person can build you up, can encourage you, can strengthen you, can motivate you, gives you the fuel to run the race. So ask God, who have you put in my world that is going to help me on this journey. 
So who can you share your vision with? Someone that can help you. I said there's so much work to be done in our world. There's so much abuse, neglect, abandonment. There's so much work in the church that needs to be done. There's tons of spaces all across our world that's just waiting for you to step into and be a resource, be a guide, be someone that can change something. There's a good work waiting for all of us. God is not waiting for the world to change. He wants you to change the world because He empowered you to make the difference. And so often we think, I'm waiting on God, but the reality is that God is waiting on us because He's given us everything we possibly need to make a difference. It's up to us to stand up and do what God called us to do. Amen? Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.